I just believe that whenever a new year starts, uh, God does want to launch us forward. I, I don't know that uh, we begin to think that way just because it's kind of a new year or not, but uh, it seems like everybody does. You know, everybody wants to make a new year's resolution. They want to change something. They want to do something different. And I think that's probably a good idea. And so what I'd like to do this morning is to just, uh, to just ramble. Somebody says, you do that every Sunday. Come on, give us, give us something new. <laughs> well, I mean it this time, though. <laughs> I just have so much stirring in my heart that I, I want to open up and just share. So uh, there, there's going to be something for everybody this morning by the time I get done. So I would like for you to lean in, though, because I feel like uh, these thoughts are from the Lord, and if I can... Uh, communicate them well. I think you can walk away this morning with with something that will change your year. We, uh, I often say, uh, that the way you end one thing is how you begin the next. And we ended one year, and we talked about some stuff last week. And uh, just briefly, a very quick review. You can go online and listen to it. Uh, I brought up the scripture out of First uh, Samuel chapter thirty, verse eight, where David found himself in a major crisis. And, and, and really facing this huge uh, uh, monument of an issue for his life. And uh, at this point, he'd already gained wisdom through experience in life. And one of the things he says in 1 Samuel 30, verse 8 was, and so David inquired of the Lord. And, and sometimes when we're headed toward a crisis or in a crisis, that's the last thing we do. We have to get to the end of our rope, and then we, oh, yeah, that's right, I really need to pray about this. Well, I want to encourage us, and did encourage us last week, let's begin to inquire of the Lord first. Let's do it quickly, even when we see it coming, maybe before it comes, that we're inquiring of the Lord. We know that maybe we're going to go into a situation that needs that. And then I said in Joel chapter 2, verse 25, it says, So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. There's very few people, if any, that I know of that have grown up in such a perfect setting that they don't have some things that are impacting their life to this day, whether it be through your religious upbringing or whether it just be through your family, the way your family is. Some of us, I have some pretty weird family thing going. You know, whatever it was, there's things that get lodged into us that are critical in our lives at a critical time, which is when we're young. And we don't even understand, we don't understand those a lot of times. We just keep doing the same thing or acting the same way or reacting the same way. Uh, in, in our life, even as a believer, and we try to overcome that, but we can't. And I just want to encourage you, as I did last week, you can overcome, the Bible says, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. How many believe you can completely overcome? You don't have to wait till you get to heaven. He's trying to bring heaven to you. And we even sang that this morning. How can you transform me, God? How can you really change me? Because as a believer, I don't think any of us are comfortable with uh, some of the things that we uh, end up being and doing. And so I gave us these three points to end the year with. Look at every adversity and search for God's greater plan or purpose in it. There was never a challenge. There was, not, uh, there, there was never anything that was accomplished in all of the scriptures. I couldn't find one. Maybe you can. There's never anything that was accomplished that was of any significance that didn't have a trial just before it. There was something that pushed man to cry out to God and inquire of God. And when man did that, every time God responded with a miracle. 
And some of us need a miracle, but we haven't quite stepped into that place of inquiring of the Lord. The second thing I challenge us up to is uh, to, I, I, I won't look for God's process, but I will look for God's purpose. In other words, there's a process that we all go through to get us where we need to be. But you have to understand that, that process has great purpose in it. Or you will become frustrated because none of us like to do something for nothing. And if we can capture that. Then the third thing I said is that we, for this coming year, if we will just partner with others, we will be able to fulfill our purpose. There's no lone rangers in the scriptures. Everywhere you find a tonto. With every person, Abraham, and oh, you can go right down the line. Every one of them had some people around them. Even Jesus, as we said last week, gathered 12 people around him as soon as he came to earth. Why? So he could fulfill his purpose. And, and, and so that's what he did. And so I, I just, uh, you know, I've I been thinking about some different things. That's, that's it for the review. But have you ever had a key made, uh, taken down and had a key made and then taken it where you needed it, home or whatever, and found out that it didn't work? You know, it's just really frustrating. Isn't it? It's like, ah, you know, you drove all the way home, you put it in, and bang, it doesn't work. What's interesting uh, about that is that a key a key has many bumps on it, okay? I'll just call them bumps or I'd call them mountains, but in the Midwest, we forgot what those were. We wouldn't know. But they look like little mountains going, you know, little bumps here going, and all you have to have is one of those to be off for it not to work. All the rest of them can be perfect, and oftentimes I think it's because they don't, you know how they, if you've watched them, they stick it in the, uh, the little, uh, the, the, the finishing thing where it grinds off all the little nubs and stuff, sometimes they just don't do that well enough until there's a nub sticking up and it won't allow that key that should work to work. So the whole thing isn't bad, but something is. Then you have to go back and remake it and so forth so that it will work. Or, you know, I've had it where I've just sanded it myself on the sidewalk and it works. A little bit of experience. <laughs> Unfortunately, I remember once we stole the telephone booth, a whole telephone booth and took it out. This was before I was saved with your guest here. <laughs> and we took it home because we wanted to figure out how could you make a, a, a key for those little round type locks, you know? And they're actually easier than you think. The problem is, is that the phone company were smarter than I thought, and they actually have two locks, and between the first and the second one, there's an alarm, and so, but they do hold two or three hundred dollars, just in case you wanted to know. I wasn't out for the small stuff, and actually, the guy that was working with me was actually trying to do it for how to, how to pick a slot machine at a, <laughs> anyway, but that was beforehand. We were talking about keys, okay, keys. But, but I think we realize that only one little notch has to be out for that key not to work. And sometimes in our lives, we have a lot of stuff in order, a lot of stuff that is working. And we really think we're doing pretty good, but we still remain stuck. And it could just be that there's one thing that's sticking you. And, and I want uh, this year for us all to take the challenge of saying, Lord, how can I change that in my life? How can I change that? 
and, and I believe he's going to help us do it. And so let's pray as I just jump into some more random things here. <laughs> and uh, we just need God's help, right? So, Father, we thank you today for the grace of God that first saves us and for the grace of God that, uh, that uh, matures us and grows us up. I pray this morning, as we launch this year, first Sunday of the year, that your Holy Spirit would be free to speak on, each, on the door of each one of our hearts. And as you knock even this morning, uh, Father, uh, on the door of our heart, we want to open it up to you so that you can come in uh, and, and just speak to us. We yield ourselves to that this morning and to your word in Jesus' name, amen. I said last year, and it's been on me quite a bit, is that, you know, there's the, the, the thought and the word that, that I have for this year is vision and provision. Vision and provision. Sometimes we get stuck on one or the other. Uh, some people have great vision, but they just don't have any provision. Others have great provision, but the vision isn't there. It isn't right. But God, uh, uh, God's provision always comes with his vision. We just need to know that so that if maybe we have the provision but we don't have the vision, that we can pray for that. And maybe I have the vision but I don't see the provision, then I can pray for that, for my own life, my own personal life. God, how do I, how do I have a vision? How do I see what God's doing? How do I see how God made me and what he wants to do in me and through me? And God, how is that really going to happen? It seems a little bit impossible. But I, uh, thank goodness we have so many uh, different examples of this in Scripture, and probably most of them. You know, Abraham got a vision, but he didn't, he didn't have the provision, remember? The vision came and said, hey, you're going to be the father of many. And here he is, 75 years old, and his wife Sarah is barren. There's no children. 75 years old. And, and, and so God comes to him and says, hey, you're going to have this. Well, Abraham persisted, and Abraham prayed for that until his son came. And we know, most of us would know that story. I don't have time to go into it. But there was the vision, and he had to pursue the provision for it. But sometimes we'll get a vision, but then we're not sure that we can really do it because we don't see the provision. Well, I want to stir you up about getting the vision and or the provision. God wants to do miracles in you and through you. Come on, God wants to do miracles in you and through you. You got to believe in miracles. If you're a believer, you must believe in a miracle or you might not be saved. Because for him to save you, I just want you to know, I don't know the deep resources, but it was a miracle. Come on, I know what it took to get me saved. That was a miracle. And we got to remember that, that it all started with a miracle and, it, it, and he wants it to finish with that. Proverbs tells us this in chapter 29 and verse 18. It says, when people do not accept divine guidance. Another translation says, without a progressive vision. When, when, without, without divine vision or divine intervention, you will go back. When people do not accept divine guidance, vision, or revelation, they run wild. But the one who follows divine instruction will be happy. So you'll never be happy just coming to church. Matter of fact, you might become very unhappy. Okay? Because people are still people wherever you go. And you're actually still there. <laughs> so 
So you can still be unhappy, but I want to say once you catch the vision of God for your life, then that's a game changer. And it should be when the people accept that divine guidance, that, that vision, that revelation from the Lord. And this, the challenge probably from God's perspective today is who can he trust with that vision? And it might be the, your first question that you jot down on your notes. Can God trust you with his vision? Because that's important. I mean, when you think about it, God, God gave to Lucifer, who was the first worship leader in heaven, great gifts, great talents, great abilities. I mean, this guy was amazing. And, and, and it got to his head. And if you know the story, he was cast out of heaven because he couldn't be trusted with the vision. And, and, and when you think about, what about Adam and Eve? They're put in the garden. They're given you know, two choices. They're given a vision. God says, I want you to do all this stuff. I want you to conquer the world. I want you to basically defeat the enemy and, and rule the world. But what did they do? They blow it. They didn't handle the vision properly that God had given them. And if you just go down the line, I mean, even Judas failed. Judas was uh, Jesus' uh, money keeper. He gave him, he entrusted him with the vision for the money and he failed. And so we see this thing happening, and, and, and my thought here this morning is just that, you know, hey, how, how are you doing with what God has entrusted you with? And can he trust you with that? And, 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 and maybe that's why he works on our character for so long in the, in the course of the journey is because he wants, to, uh, he wants to open up his giftings, his callings, his talents, his provision to us. But he also doesn't want you to destroy your life with it. And we have seen that in, in the course of the journey uh, in Christendom where people rise to stardom. And before you know it, they're off on another track. So it's not like it can't happen, but God is still looking for those uh, who he can find that are faithful. Now I want to just uh, kind of uh, talk about a, a number that God likes. God likes the number seven. If you read the scriptures at all and you study them at all, you begin to find out that there's various numbers in scriptures that have great meaning. Uh, the one stands for God, the one true God. Three stands for the Godhead. There's three in one. He's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus Christ. And you can go right on down the line. Twelve was the number of government. And there's lots of different numbers. Number seven, as you look even from Genesis, was uh, the, the number of completion. It was good. Remember, he made Adam and Eve in the last day and said, this is good. This is awesome. This is great. So number seven, he seems to really like. And so I want to just read you a few scriptures uh, that deal with sevens. And I want you to just hear uh, what the Lord might be trying to communicate through even a simple number called seven. And, 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 and so if we look at Joshua chapter 6 and verse 4. It says, a seven and seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of rams, ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. Remember that, that story around Jericho where they came out? He says, now you've got to go take care of the giants. I want you to march around Jericho for seven days. And he gives some specific instructions here. It shall come to pass that when you make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet... That all the people shall shout with a great shout. And then the wall of the city will fall flat and the people 
shall go up every man straight before him. And so as you look in the scripture, you, this whole kickoff with seven here is, is the, 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 the idea of, okay, uh, you guys march around this city seven times. And, 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 and I'm go- this will go somewhere by the time we're done today. But I, I wonder, have you ever wondered, why did he make it seven times? Why not just do it once? And then the same thing happened. But no, he said, I want you to do it seven times. And another piece of the story that you may know or may not know is he said, don't say a word. You know why he said that? It's because they were so used to murmuring for 40 years that he needed to keep them quiet. He needed them to learn to understand, to have patience, to not murmur, to not complain, to not gripe. And so he says, I want you to do this. But on the seventh day, I want you to give this amazing shout. And as we know this story, it's an amazing story in the Bible where the walls just fell. Psalms uh, uh, 119 uh, and verse 164 says this here, and I, I really like this. It says, seven times a day I praise you because of your righteous judgments. Wow. And we come here on Sunday mornings and we spend just a few minutes each Sunday worshiping God and challenging you to worship him, not only with the songs that we sang, but in the interim periods where we have music going, where you take it beyond the song. You sing your own song, because that's what really God, God really wants to hear. I think he loves it when we sing about it, but he really wants to hear your heart come forth and just, you know, Lord, I love you. Lord, I worship you. Lord, thank you. I honor you. You are amazing. Whatever. You know, just begin to give him your heart through song and through worship and just open it up and hear, hear David say, man, seven times a day I'm going to do this thing. And you know what's really cool about that is when you get to the New Testament, although David had some failures, some major failures, uh, <laughs> morally as well as even murdering people and, and so forth, he had major failures. Yet when we get to the New Testament, we found out what grace was really all about. And he says, man, David, that guy was a man after my own heart. You know what he didn't say? David failed so much, but I'm so nice that I'm still going to let him be the man after my own heart. He didn't say that. He just kind of said, hey, he's a man after my own heart. What does he see? He sees beyond what you are right now. But as you enter into his presence and he begins to reveal to you who you really are and you respond to him properly, then all of a sudden he begins to transform you. We cannot change ourselves. Proverbs 24 and verse 16 says, though a righteous person falls how many times? Seven. He will do what? He will get up. But the, the, the wicked will stumble into ruin. They'll stay down. They'll be destroyed. And, you know, I, I, I wish none of us sinned, but we all do. So do I. But, you know, something, I'm not going to stay down with it. Why? Because I know what Christ did for me at the cross. And I know that he's an amazing father that, yes, he does spank once in a while. But, man, it's good spanking. How many can say amen to that? Come on. You know, he, he, he does. And as a parent, you should. I sent the kids out first so I could tell you that. <laughs> Not get mobbed or attacked afterwards, okay? But you know what I'm saying? He just says, hey, you know, though a person, a righteous person, a righteous person, the only person that's righteous is a person that's born again. Because the Bible says the righteousness of God is in Christ. And so a righteous person will fall, but he says he'll get up too. And what I've found over the 30-some years of serving the Lord is 
man, the, the, the more and the faster that I get up, the more he transforms me, the less I have to sin. How many can say amen to that? You know, it's just an amazing thing. God's so amazing. And then Proverbs chapter 12, verse 6. The words of the Lord are pure words. They're like silver in the furnace of the earth, purified how many times? Seven times. That's us. And it's amazing. It's a seven just pops up everywhere. I'm only reading a few of them. But you do a quick Google search, you can see many of them begin to catch this pattern that God does like seven. And even in this illustration here, uh, the words of the Lord are pure words, uh, like silver tried in the furnace of the earth, purified seven times. And it also says that gold is purified seven times. And go through this process, and I mentioned this recently, that, you know, gold's process is they, they put the fire underneath it, they heat it up, and all the impurities or the strange metals come to the surface depending on how hot it is. And they, you scrape it off, and you have your 14, 12, 14, 15, 18, 24 karat gold based on how high they heat it and how many times they heat it to get rid of the impurities. So if you've ever felt like you've been under fire more than once, it's probably a better thing than you felt. Right? Come on. It's why. Because God knows as his son or daughter, he does not want you to stay where you're at sometimes. He wants you to live who you really are, who you were made to be from before the foundations of the world, but also who you completely became in Christ Jesus. You became born again. You became the righteousness of God in Christ. You, you, you're a new person. You're a brand new creation. You don't have to be bound to those things that are out to just destroy you. It's an amazing thing. <clears throat> amazing thing. So let's look now at maybe uh, one of the most important passages that we could possibly look at found in Proverbs chapter 1. And I'm going to have it up here on the screen for us, so we can kind of read along with it in the same translation. There's so many translations out, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's hard to catch up with. I'm going to read it in two translations. I'm going to read it first in the Passion Translation, because he does something with the word he, uh, that that's, uh, totally brings it to life sometimes to help us understand, and then I'm going to read it through the New King James, and we're going to look at that for just a moment. Are you ready? All right. Proverbs chapter 1, we'll read 1 through 7. Wow, there's 7 again. Custom designed, of course, okay? All right, here's, here are the kingdom revelation words to live by. And words of wisdom given to empower you to reign in life. Written as Proverbs by Israel's King Solomon, David's son. Within these sayings will be found the revelation of wisdom and the impartation of spiritual understanding. Use them as keys to unlock the treasures of true knowledge. Those who cling to these words will receive discipline to demonstrate wisdom in every relationship and to choose what is right and, and just and fair. These proverbs will give you great skill to teach the immature and to make them wise. I love that. He's... He's out to make you wise. God's always out for your good. <laughs> wow. And to give youth the understanding of their design and their destiny. For the wise, 
These Proverbs will make you even wiser. And for those with discernment, you'll be able to acquire brilliant strategies for leadership. These kingdom revelations will break open your understanding to unveil the deeper meaning of parables, poetic riddles, and epigrams. <clears throat> and to unravel the words and enigmas of the wise. How then does a man gain the essence of wisdom? We cross the threshold of, of true knowledge when we live in obedient devotion to God. When we live in obedient devotion to God. Can I say that one more time? How do I get all of these things? When I learn to live in obedient devotion to God. I don't know about you, but it's, it's frustrating for me when I don't. Anybody else here? Music get frustrating. Uh, uh, stubborn know-it-alls will never stop to do this. They scorn true wisdom and knowledge. All right, now let's, let's look at this. And again, it'll be on your screen, so if you don't have a New King James uh, Bible, you can follow it close. But let's go through this particular seven verses uh, just a, a little bit slower and a little differently. Because uh, re remember, uh, Proverbs is called the book of wisdom. And, and, and it, it will bring to you wisdom for every aspect of your life. It'll bring wisdom for your business. It'll bring wisdom for your marriage. It'll bring wisdom for your relationships. It will bring wisdom for your children. I mean, it's everything's there. It is right there. And so it's one of those things where uh, it, it, this is so important. So let's look at this now just briefly, um, uh, verse by verse. Uh, it says in, in chapter 1, we'll just start with verse 2. Uh, it says, to know wisdom and instruction to perceive the words of understanding. The word know there actually uh, it, uh, is, it, it means to learn. So in other words, there's a process that takes place. I'd like to say we read it once and it worked and we don't do it, have to worry about it anymore. That's not what he's saying. He said, I want you to begin to go through and I want you to learn about wisdom and instruction. And then he says to, to perceive the words of understanding. And the word, again, looking at the words a little deeper, the word perceive means that I have this discernment or this inner understanding as I'm reading his word. And I, and I just want to maybe just do a little uh, side note here for you. If you're reading your Bible and your thoughts are, man, this doesn't make sense to me then I, I want to just tell you today, it can make sense to you. The, the Bible actually says in the New Testament that the Holy Spirit, the person of God of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit will be your teacher. And, and when he teaches you, something will move inside. You know what I'm talking about? You know, you get it, and all of a sudden, wow, it goes beyond the mind, and all of a sudden it seems to penetrate to this deeper level where you all of a sudden think, wow. That's a revelation. I perceive, I understand that. I get that. I, I, I have that. See, when we read the word, I, I wouldn't say that I get that every time I read the word, but quite often we should be getting that. It should be, wow, man, I just know that in my knowing. 
You know what I mean? It goes deeper than here, and it gets down inside of you. And when you let it go from here to here, you know, they say that's the longest foot in the world, from your head to your heart. And when you let it go from here to here, and you, and I want to use the word feel intentionally, you feel it going deeper, all of a sudden, that's what begins to transform you. And all of a sudden now, when you face maybe the same temptation, if that's what it is, or the same challenge, or the same issue, divine revelation and instruction and understanding comes to you, and you don't step back and but you really you get something. This is what he's saying here. You can have a discernment out of his word because it's a living word. It's alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than anything you'll ever read. But you got to get that. And this is what David is trying to teach us here. Verse 3, to receive the instruction of wisdom, judgment, or justice, judgment, and equity. Verse 3. He says, to receive, to, to, to receive that, the word receive there means I have to reach out and I have to take it. So I'm just saying to you is that when I read the word, if I read it too fast, because my devotional says i got to get through 30 verses that minute. <laughs> if I read it too fast, I'll walk away with nothing. More than maybe that I could memorize it up here. Yeah, I read that before. But he's saying, no, don't do that. And for me, just to, just to try to explain it, I, I, I just moved to the practice of reading the word slowly. And when a verse pops out to me at that moment, that's when I know I need to stop. I need to grab that word. I need to pull it inside of me. I need to do what the Psalms said in verse chapter 1. I need to meditate on that maybe the rest of the day. And maybe the rest of the night until that verse so transforms me that I'm not the same person after I read it. I think, wow, God, how many times have I read your scripture? And how many times have I see, not, not seen that? But all of a sudden now it came to life. Why? Because I'm grabbing it now. When I read this, I, I know, and, and it says that I don't have time to go into it. It's a living word that's sharp and powerful. It's not a dead word. If it's still a dead word to you, then you need to change your thinking about it and say, God, I need this kind of revelation coming to me so that I'm not tossed and turned with every wind of doctrine that blows around. Because I got discernment. I got the heavenly writer talking to me about his book. And I'm not just, it's not just me. That's what they would probably do if they. And he goes on to say this, to give prudence to the simple and to the young man knowledge and discretion. Wow. Verse 5, a wise man will hear and increase in learning. I think I've said this before, but let me just repeat it because it's worth me remembering, if not you. When, you. when the Bible says that you need to hear, the word hear, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, means to hear and do. So in other words, if I hear it, but I don't do it, then I didn't really hear it. And the hearing I'm talking about is when it gets down deeper than this. You know what I'm saying? But, 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 if, but if I choose to hear it, I need to also say, Lord, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And this is what he's saying here. You know, he says just, you know, a, a wise person will listen and obey. 
We read that earlier about the obedience thing. A wise person listens and obeys and then increases in learning, it says. So there's this progression that happens that maybe from uh, even this verse and others, if I don't listen and obey to this, he's not going to tell me the next thing. Why? Because I won't be able to handle it. You know, if your baby can't drink milk, don't change to, to meat to think, that the, think that's going to work. You've got to start with these things. And this is what he's saying here. I want you to take a hold of it. I want you to have it. And, verse, and then and the, the latter part of verse 5, and a man of understanding will attain <coughs> wise counsel. And what he's talking about there is, is the word has within it the idea of potentially even buying it. In other words, you need to get this. You need to acquire this. If you don't, uh, and maybe just put it down in maybe real everyday terms, if you don't get it, go to somebody that will help you get it. If you have to buy him coffee or lunch to do that, then go buy him coffee and lunch. But get it. Get wisdom. Get knowledge. Get understanding is what this whole six, seven verses is all about. I want you to get something, and if I can't get it on my own, don't just step back and settle for that and think, oh, well, I guess I just don't get it. No, that's, that's ignorance. Okay, a word my mother said I could never use is that's stupid. It really is, isn't it? We've got to learn to get when we need to acquire. That's what he's saying. A man of understanding is going to do this. Verse 6, to understand a proverb and an enigma. An enigma really in this verse is simply a parable. To understand a parable. And if you read through the New Testament, you see Jesus used those a lot. Because he was trying to get us to get past our head and into our understanding and our heart. And he brings us to that place. The words of the wise are like riddles or just little quips that he uses. And you see that throughout the book of Proverbs. He'll just throw out some little thoughts and some little quips and some little things. And, and, and she goes from one subject to the next subject to the next subject. But man, as you grab it, it's like, wow, that's a life-changing verse. That's one verse that's life-changing. And then he goes on in verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge but a fool despises wisdom and instruction. Fear the Lord. I, I thought about that. And, you know, I, I uh, scarily, if that's a good word, might not be. Anyway, but I scarily looked up the definition of the fear of the Lord because there's lots of them out there, as you probably well know. I think we all try to somehow come up with something that's really, uh, <laughs> you know, smart and quippy. But... You know, you know what it means? You want me to tell you or should you just look it up yourself? It means absolute terror. <laughs> absolute terror. No wonder every time God shows up in the Bible, people fall on their faces. Even if he just sends one of his angels there, oh, I'm afraid. The first thing they have to say is, fear not. That's okay. It's going to be okay. You're going to live. I know it feels powerful. I know it's awesome, but you're going to be fine. You're going to live. It just means the terror of the Lord. Let's. Let's, let's get that terror back into our hearts of God. But if you mix it, if you mix it with the love of God, you can fully understand it. And all of a sudden, it's like, wow, the, the, the awesomeness of God, the amazingness of God, you know, uh, uh, is something else. So let me just give you several things real quick as we wrap up this morning, several things that will maybe help you. I, I don't know. I hope they will. If they don't, just know they help me, okay, and be glad. 
The first thing, and, and again, these are random. God likes people who fail more than people who never try. God likes people <laughs> who fail more than people that never try. I just want you to know that is biblical. It is. It, it, think about the parable of the talents. Remember that? He gave all these talents out. And when he got to the very last one, the guy said, man, I was just afraid. I, I was afraid. I wonder if that was really his motive or it was just his excuse. I was afraid, so I just buried your talent, and I didn't even use it. I thought, you know, and, and, and Jesus' kind response was, you know, you could have at least put it in the bank, and I would have gotten some interest out of it. But, 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 but the others, what did he say? Oh, they went out and did something with it. And if you're a business person here today, you know you don't make something without losing something once in a while. Isn't that right, business guys? Come on, you, you, risk, you risk losing stuff, and you do lose stuff. But yet you keep going until you surpass what you lost. That's just the way it is. And so we, we come here, and, and I think, again, just to, to be real clear with you, because I want you to take some risks this year with the talents that God's given you. As a person, I'm not talking about money at this moment. It's included, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your life and the way he created you and how are you spending it. All right, number two. You ready for number two? When I willfully sin and disobey God's plan for my life, I will surely die. We really do need to write that down today. We really need to understand uh, something here today. And, and that is, is that I think we would all agree that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Is that right? When Adam and Eve sinned, what happened? They died, didn't they? They died. Come on, they died. We know they didn't die physically, and we know they didn't, their soul didn't die, but their spirit did. That's what becomes born again through Christ, is your spirit. And so, so we know that this process was started by God way back. And, and if you read, if, I, I, just, I just felt like this was important because it's time that we raise the, the, the bar in our life towards sin. Sin is creeping in everywhere. And if you're not careful, it'll creep into your life, and you may settle back with the wrong understanding, but let me just say it this way. There's going to be two judgments that take place in the last days. The first one is for the unbeliever. That, that judgment is sad. It's separation from God forever. You have to be born again to be into heaven. But there's also a second judgment that the scripture is very clear on. And that judgment has to do not with whether you will go to heaven or not. Nothing to do with that. Once you're born again, can I just let you relax? You're going to go to heaven. But the question is, is how would you like to go to heaven? Would you like to have the back end? <laughs> you know? Or, or you want to go in there triumphantly. God, man, I did my, my best with your help, God. I did everything I could. I invested my life. I I, I, I let you transform me. 
when sin was there, I never accepted it. I just let you begin to deal with it. Yeah, I fell seven times, but I kept getting up until it changed. This is the God we serve. His grace is to help you do that. That's what grace is all about. Give you this divine ability that you can't have on your own. But again, you go back and you see this second judgment. I think it has to do with, if you look at the parable uh, of the talents, again, the first, uh, the first two, he said to them, well done, good and faithful servant, I will give you more. So we see reward throughout the scriptures. It's not an uncommon theme. And again, if you can just separate the reality of going to heaven or hell first, settle that issue, now for you, if you are settled in that issue, you need to begin to think about this second judgment. Because it says we all face it. And again, it's a loving judgment. There's not, you know, that he's going to get rid of all the tears, it says, and all of that. But, but it's important, I think, for the church to begin to realize that. So maybe you've been snared with something, and your mind is well able, I know this, your mind is able to justify it away, or maybe even to put it in this little box next door, and only go there once in a while, and to think that that's okay. Can I just tell you that Satan is the father of lies? It's just not true. It's not true. go to the next one. I saved some good ones for the end, by the way. Okay, I don't, don't want to end with that one for sure. The third one is that God never stops growing you. God never stops throwing you, growing you. He keeps throwing you back in the fire. Why? Because he loves you. He doesn't want you to stay impure. Impurities come up in the fire. The, 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 the next point. If you, if you don't sweat the small stuff, and we, there's a little saying that's similar to that out there. But if you don't sweat the small stuff, the small stuff will become bigger. It's my wisdom for you this year. <laughs> Begin to look at the little foxes uh, that uh, Song of Solomon 2.25 says. It's those little foxes that are spoiling your vine. Number four, live with hopeful expectation no matter how the moment looks. Live with hopeful expectation, no matter how the moment looks. In other words, you're going to face some challenges. I don't know anybody that hasn't, myself included. But when I begin to realize, man, it's going to pass. God's for me. God is with me. He is going to help me. I don't have a second thought about the fact that God's going to help me. And I stay there, that moment passes quickly. But I have to make sure that I stay strong in it. The sixth thing is just to be a lifelong learner. If I could say one thing to you, you know, uh, I know my hair has turned blonde and, you know, that type of thing. But just stay a learner. You know, let the Lord continue to teach you. And, and, and be a teachable person. The scriptures talk about that. And then the seventh thing is, to, to just practice gratitude. We're going to go into some of this through the year. Uh, I'm not going to do it this morning, but you can start thinking about some of these things and maybe begin to say, yeah, am I a grateful person? Because gratefulness is, is very important in life. I, I found it changes my mood if I'm not, <laughs> changes my attitude if I'm not. If I'm an ungrateful person, and you know, the Bible does say in the last day, in the day that we're living in, the last day, there will be ungratefulness going around. It 
like a disease. If I'm not careful, I will get it. But ungratefulness is a bigger killer than what we think sometimes. So just make a determination. I will be a grateful person. I will practice get gratitude. And then the last point would be uh, I need to cultivate generosity. And again, I think money is obviously included in the scriptures of that, but it's going far beyond that. It's a heart attitude of generosity. And I know I found myself, and I'll, I'll just say it, I'll just say it, because I grew up so poor, it, God still has to pry that out of me. You know, just, I just, I just, you know, I'll tell you this, those young years are important. They really plant some things in there that get pretty hard for even God to root out. I want to be a generous person with all of my life, with my time, with my money, with, with everything. Because God's not just after your tithe. I think that's very clear in Scripture from the very book of Genesis on. He wants the first fruits of everything you have. But that's only like this grammar school. He wants you to go beyond that into a point of generosity and see how much he will bless you through that generosity in so many different areas. The Bible says give. And it will be given back to you. How? Pressed down, shaken together, running out all over. Now, do I trust God that I'm going to step out in faith and say, God, I want that working in me? And again, that has to do with time and talents and, and everything else. So I believe if, if we just take some of those points, if you maybe just grabbed one, hopefully, uh, that, that we can jump into this next year. And just change one thing. I was talking to somebody the other day. I said, you know something? You just have to take one step at a time. And you take one step at a time before you know it, where you're at, you're back here. You can get there. You don't have to take it all at once. You don't have to take it all at once, but you have to take a step or you're going to stay where you're at. I don't know how many agree with that one. I told you you had a wise, wise pastor. He knows one thing. If you stay where you're at, you're not going to move from there. Wow. Proverbs forgot to put me in on that one. Would you stand to your feet with me? I want to close. We're going to sing a song in just a moment. And we're going to start this year with a little bit more worship. But I think God has an amazing plan for your life. And, 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 but it has to do with him being deeply involved in your life. Uh, one of the scriptures I've been working on, memorizing in, in Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31. And it says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, and all of your strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. I thought, Lord, I want that to be my full motto this year. I don't want to just say it or know it. I want it to be my motto. And that's what he wants for each one of us. So if you wouldn't mind just holding your hands out like this. this to me, it's just a receiving funnel mode. Just hold your hands out. And let me pray for you, and then we're going to just sing a song and Let's just spend a few more minutes in the worship of our Heavenly Father who loves us and died for us. And Father, we thank you this morning that you're so great, you're so awesome, you're so mighty. And I, I, I just pray this morning that even if it was like a scattering of seeds, that seeds get planted deep within each one of us. Lord, our hearts are changed, our minds are changed, our strength is changed, everything about us is changed, our soul is changed. God, and we find that, Lord, you're more real than we would have ever guessed, and you want to be more involved than even the best of the natural earthly fathers even in this room. You want
want to be more intimately involved with us and to help us to realize who you are, how great you are, and to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So, Father, touch us this morning. Take any seed that was planted and push it in. And don't let it escape us today, Father, in Jesus' name. Would you just pull the lights down? Let's just worship the Lord one more time, if you would. Let him speak to you.